Hello, and welcome to FMI's Built-In Podcast. I'm Scott Winstead, President of FMI Consulting. In this special owner's edition, our very own Tracy Smith talks with Randy Leopold of UC San Diego about the importance of culture and collaboration on project teams and how focusing on team dynamics leads to positive project outcomes. Please enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome to FMI's Built-In Podcast. My name is Tracy Smith, and I'm a senior consultant on FMI's leadership and organizational practice team, and have the pleasure of hosting this special edition podcast. Today, we are honored to speak with an owner about the importance of culture and collaboration on project teams, and how spending time focusing on team dynamics leads to positive project outcomes. Our guest is Randy Leopold, who is the Capital Program Management Associate Vice Chancellor for UC San Diego. Randy has been on the owner side of the business throughout his career, starting as a project manager for Scripps Health, then Kaiser Permanente. In 1999, he transitioned to the UC San Diego Capital Program Management Team, and last year stepped into the Associate Vice Chancellor role, taking the reins to lead the CPM team. Well, Randy, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tracy. I feel, I feel honored to participate, so thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let, let's dive in, and I want you to share with us a little bit about the UC San Diego CPM program. I have an amazing job. I was thinking about this. I, I truly have an amazing job. We have a ton of work. We, the sheer volume is one thing. In this June, we'll have $3 billion under construction and another 3 to $5 billion on the books for the next five years. So it, the volume is one thing, but the cool part is the diversity of what we do. We've got everything. We have Scripps Institute of Oceanography. We've got an aggressive housing plan that by 2027, we want to have 20,000 students housed on campus. We've got two medical centers. And some of the most amazing research in the world happens at UCSD. I think I think we have 16 Nobel laureates there, and we get to build their labs. And so it, it's honestly, it's just an amazing, amazing place to be. And I feel I feel really like uh, privileged and honored to have the role that I have to be able to be a participant in all of this. And I, I can't honestly think, Tracy, of maybe anywhere in the country that delivers the diversity or has the diversity in their portfolio that we do. It's just, it's just really cool and overwhelming at the same time. Very good adjectives. Cause I know when, when I'm out there visiting you and your project teams, right, you just see all the things going on across the entire campus. It's pretty yeah. phenomenal. All the work that's getting put in place and within a, a, a small swath of land, right? So just navigating that, all those stakeholders is really impressive and how well you all do it. Oh, and I think, thank you. <laughs> you know, we, I think we started working together back in 2018. So I was going back in my, in my records to pull up some of the initial conversations that we had. And I think one of the things that stood out from the start with you and the, the team at CPM there is you, know, you have this goal of wanting to set a new standard for future project teams, how they work together effectively, efficiently in this really transparent and collaborative culture and really thinking through how do we how do we shift the inner the the industry in a positive way and coming from an owner i mean that was super exciting for us at fmi because we're always looking for those folks that really want to make a an impact in a positive way in this industry and we, we've seen you guys do that and you know our topic today is around culture and collaboration 
And so I'd love just to hear from your viewpoint, what does a collaborative partnership really look like to you? I, I guess I've always had this belief and some of it maybe stemmed in my own insecurities that I could never go it alone. And that there was all this experience and history and knowledge that's out there that can be tapped. And you can you can choose in in a project management role, you can choose to be to know to be the guy who knows it all. And you're the director and you can point things this way and you have the answers to everything. Or if uh, you're a little more on the insecure side, maybe as I was particularly early on in my career, it was I needed these people. And I needed to find a way to tap their knowledge and to draw them in and to be a part of something uh, great. And that was the only, that was what I felt was my only path to success was to engage everybody around me, tap their knowledge, and and be comfortable with the fact that I didn't need to be the expert in all of it. That I I really just needed to find people I could trust that could bind with me in a mission in a direction and be an extension understand the goals and be an extension of our staff to be truly to be one team not not a bunch of people rowing in different directions but all headed in the same direction and i've i think i've built my entire philosophy around building and construction around all of that i've thought i've also seen the weakness in construction in the industry in itself i think i think ever since world war ii i think low bid kind of happened around that time or began around that time is to be a, a popular and maybe the only delivery method. It, it's been it's been a bit broken since then. The the lack of trust is a tax on construction. And you can see it in many, many different ways. I could give you a dozen examples of how teams that don't trust each other are taxed in one way or another, both physically, you know, with dollars and time. Many of us have seen that over when you just Everybody's in their corner, holding things close to the the vest, right? Maybe not being open with those expectations. It just it it doesn't get better, right? It just gets worse over time when it's we're not able to really open up and share those concerns. There's a book that I've held on to dearly, "The Speed of Trust" by Stephen Covey, and mm -hmm. he says, uh, "Yeah, I think the first sentence in the book is trust always, capital always, this uh, uh, impacts uh, time and cost always." And it's true if you think about it. And it's true in just about every aspect of life, but particularly relevant in construction, I think. Um, just if you even followed the path of a change order in the traditional sense, you got to ask for 2X to get somewhere, right. <laughs> to, to, you know, to get anywhere near what you really need. And that that is a tax on a job. It's uh, You're actually looking backwards and, and we do, we need to be able to look forward. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's interesting when you were talking, right, you're talking about building collaborative partnerships. And I think what's unique in your role as the owner, right, you've got multiple stakeholders on both sides of the project, right? You're managing internal to the UC San Diego system, but also with your project partners on the design construction side of the house. Um, what have you seen works really well in building a collaborative partnership with kind of both sides of that coin? We've taken a lot of time on a lot of our projects to create kind of a mission for the project. It's it's always supportive of the overall mission of the university, but sometimes we will um, spend a lot of time just defining what success looks like. And it's not just it's not my success. It's not necessarily the university university's success. 
it's the GC's success, it's the design uh, professional success, it's the trade, it's the success of the trades. And if we can find something that we can all rally around, we can we can communicate really clearly what it is we're trying to do. And it it just focuses us in a unified direction. I think it starts honestly from the very beginning. We there's going to be goals for the project. Every goal has, you know, it's time or it's money or it's quality. It, it can be a bunch of different things, but we try to define that clearly up front as a university, what, what it is we're trying to accomplish when we move into a project. And then from that point on, it becomes finding people that can help support that. We, um, we just need to be very clear about what it is we're trying to accomplish. We want to engage, we will engage the design professionals and the builder in creating a mission, uh, a project-specific goal or mission for the project. And we've been really successful that way. We'll typically on a large project put together almost like a board of directors. And we look at each of these large projects almost as an individual business. And we spend a lot of time and effort focusing on what success looks like for all of us. And uh, it's been it's been really effective. And part of that it's not just, it's not always just what we're building, but it's why we're building it. And I can, I can think of a, a specific project. We're building a, a vision research center and that team has uh, rallied around the notion that what happens in that building is going to cure blindness. And, and they're very, they're very literal about that. It's not, it's not a pipe dream. They, that project really will impact, um, the or head us towards the the true cure for blindness and so that team has is literally rallying around that cause that what they're building is not just plaster and metal studs and curtain wall it's really the place that's going to allow this to happen and so the bigger why is really instrumental in the success of any project i think and and i'm not really talking just about the leadership team or the execs there i'm talking about every person that walks in that building will know exactly why they're building that building. And it, it's extraordinarily powerful. It truly is. Yeah, I was with one of your project teams last month and we were starting on that process of creating the vision and just the excitement from the entire group on what that looks like and their desire to make sure that every person that comes onto that site to help build it understands that is so powerful to see. And I'd be curious if you have any examples top of mind where you've put that in place. And as the team has run into friction, as it's going to happen on any project, how that has helped them move through that, maybe that friction and challenge faster. Yeah. One, one project comes to mind. We're building a heart hospital, the uh, Sulpizio Cardiovascular Center. And every single person that walked onto that job, and I mean that quite literally, during their safety training and their orientation, we showed them a video of the physicians and what they were going to do inside of that hospital, the, the lives that were going to be saved and how eventually it could actually touch each one of us that we may all either be there or have family members that are in there. So everybody knew exactly why they were out there and how they were actually impacting the community. One of the things we did was a family day where kind of in the middle of uh, after steel was up and we were doing some framing, we shut the job site down over the weekend, did a massive cleanup. And we allowed all the trade to bring their family members out to show, so they could show their families what they do and, and take, 
it was a tremendously powerful event that let them show their let their families be proud of the work that they were doing out there. Now, now how that impacted us was uh, at, uh, after we had the building up, it was fireproofed, fireproofing were standing studs. The fireproofing began to peel off uh, in certain areas. It bubbled. And the, the short version of the story was we fireproofed that building twice um, mm. completely. Every single inch of fireproofing was inspected, tested, and, and replaced or repaired. Um, and the team rose rose in a way that I've never seen before to meet that challenge. It wasn't it wasn't the fireproofing guy's problem. It wasn't in this case DPR's problem. It was our problem to solve. And I, I'm being quite literal here. We put a, a group of all the significant trades in a trailer and we just talked about how do we move forward? How can we solve this issue? It was no one person's issue. It was our issue. We owned it as one team. And I I will never uh, forget the power of that. And we finished the job on time. And despite all that, we finished the job on time uh, within budget, actually a little bit early. And I, as painful as that was, and it was extraordinary, extraordinarily painful, um, I will always look back on that as the thing that uh, as one of the most challenging and rewarding times of my life. It, it and and actually that that memorialized what I believe about teams and ever before that, but ever since then, it's been my mission is to um, help others see the power of what a team really can do when it's a high trust, high relationship team like that was. Love that story. Thanks so much for sharing that with us, Randy. And it it brings to mind. You said earlier, there's a little bit of a culture and just in the industry in general, that's really this hard bid. I've got to protect my own mentality. How do you lay down these expectations for maybe a, a new design team or a contractor that you've never worked with before to set those expectations of this is going to look and feel differently? And how do you get them on board? Well, we created our point of view. That was our way of creating some um, memorializing who we are and what we believe it's been a tool that we um, use for accountability. We we want to hold people accountable to that, and we want to be held accountable to that. It's the tool by which we describe who we are to the community, who we are to potential hires, and we are looking for partners there. It um, So before any kind of qualification-based selection or any kind of team selection, we we tell them who we are. This and it's very clear. This is who we are. This is what we believe, and this is what we expect out of you. And if you can play, great. But if if uh, it doesn't look like this is in your bailiwick, then now's the time to step out. Um, because I and I mean this truly. We literally hire and fire by that. If uh, it. Uh, it talks about integrity. It talks about respect. It talks about treating people fairly. It talks about stewardship. It talks about appreciation. The, the irony of it was for project managers, there's not a single word in there that talks about schedule or budget, not one. Be, because the belief is if you can create this type of team and if you can embrace these behaviors and at the end of the day, treat people fairly, and create an environment of safety and trust, 
that the schedule and budget is just a result, along with a hundred other things that you get that you didn't expect that are all positive. Um, I, I, to be honest, it, I would view it, I would not view it, view it as a success with any project if the project finished on schedule and on budget and left bodies strewn behind it. It just, that's a short game. You, it's, that's a one and done. And for many, many years, your reputation will be will be tainted and you will pay for that over and over and over again uh, because people have to protect themselves from what they experienced on your last job. So we're here for the long game, believing that if we do treat people fairly and they know it, the protection factor goes down. We get better pricing. We build relationships. We move faster. We get better buildings. And, and, and honestly, in this environment, when we're competing with the volume of work we have with the rest of San Diego County, we, we want to be the guys you want to build for. We want to be the preferred client. And I, I think we've been pretty successful in that. I've had more than a few people ask when we're bidding because they want to know, they want to put, they want to give us their 18. I've had conversations with contractors in that area that 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 we've worked with going, well, we're kind of holding off because we hear UC San Diego has a project coming and we want to make sure we can get our foot in the door there, right? Because they respect that so much. And what's interesting is about that is they're going to bring their A team that understands how to manage a project, right? The the tactical side of it. And it's that that extra collaborative team focus is what separates the good from the great. And I've seen that just do wonders for you all and in, in multiple, multiple projects. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing I like hearing better than somebody who says <laughs> that they're holding out their good team for us. Right. Uh, and, yeah. And that we get the good number. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, it's exactly what, uh, it's kind of the, the benefit of all of this, I think. And, and it makes, it's what makes the journey enjoyable. Well, and to your point about not leaving bodies strewn everywhere right like they've been through it before and they know what great looks like i don't know how many project teams i've talked to on your campus they're like man this is such an awesome group of people like i would give anything to do a project with this group of people again that speaks volumes to what you're able to create on those sites that i know all of them are very high pressure time sensitive a lot of stakeholder management going on um, and yet they're like best best project ever it well, it takes an owner and certainly a builder to embrace this 100%. And if there's a bit of weakness or a chink in the armor of either, it can fall apart very, fairly quickly. It's also really, really, really difficult to undo decades of tradition and history and dysfunction. I, I'm kind of on a different note. I'd love for you to maybe share some of the biggest challenges that you face as an owner. And what is it that you, want your partners to understand and and kind of what that that feels like from where cpm is sitting well certainly the economy and the marketplace and the world right now are way on everybody's mind um it's i don't think we've ever been in a place like this before where there is no crystal ball uh, well it's all a crystal ball I, I guess is probably a better way to put it and forecast in the future, which we have to do every day. We have, we always are have to be able to let people know what their building is going to cost four or five or six or seven years from now. And that is extraordinarily difficult. Um, I'm not sure there's a 
even a way to really do that. So the best we can do there is to be as clear as we can about what our assumptions are moving forward and get some buy-in from people we work with about this is our strategy. We're super aggressive. We're going at 3% a year to midpoint, or we're going to be super conservative and you know, you know, dump a bunch of escalation in it. But each of those comes with pros and cons. So when we're when we're looking for we're, what I really look for, um, strength of pre-con is really, really something where I think we've all been a little weekend, to be honest. We we utilize almost not exclusively, but a lot of uh, integrated CM at risk. So the idea is we bring the architect and the builder on almost at the same time, believing that having the builder sit there to um, uh, just give us real-time cost information and constructability and advice about where we're headed. I It hasn't been quite as successful as I would like to say it could be. I think we have uh, a couple of shining or one really shining example of that down at Hillcrest. It's a $550 million job that with some really thoughtful and engaged pre-con, we managed to ride through COVID and we're in uh, construction now, but for from 2019 till now, we're still on the same budget. Um, we put together just a really thoughtful GMP on it, but that's the anomaly. And I think it has to do with a bunch of things. It's, um, it, it's the... It's the marketplace one, but it's also um, being able to help the builder understand what it is we're looking for on the front end. And to be honest, there's there's the thing the things they can see on a drawing, and then there's the things that probably will be, and then there's the things that could be. And and most everybody's pretty good at the what is and what probably will be. I think there's a real reticence about the what could be part of it. You know the things that they incurred on their last job that uh, that might happen on this specific site. And that's the success of Precon in my mind is being able to look at all three of those things, but it's not easy and you have to create a very special and safe environment to allow someone to tell you all of the what could be's because oftentimes you're gonna far exceed your, your preliminary budget just in putting all those things on a piece of paper, it's scary. I think on the Hillcrest job at one point we looked at it and we were 100 million over, and, and so we we what we did was we just but we looked at everything and we said you know and we just kind of assigned probability to each of them and then we came up with a really thoughtful GMP but that it took a special environment to create that and it's hard to explain why but I think it was a culture of safety and freedom, the ability for people to say what they think and to know that. It's okay, and that's what we we expect and we're looking for. I I think too many times, the budget, the the ideal budget gets in the way and precludes people from telling you what they really think, and that's a fatal flaw. That, mm -hmm. that in my mind, if there's any kind of suppression around, uh, only tell me if, or you create an environment that is only tell me what you want to hear, you're gonna you're gonna be done. Yeah, because you well, the need... safety you talk about is psychological safety, right? Yeah. No, I'm not yeah. going to be beat down by throwing some ideas out, but knowing that we're going to talk through them. It, it is. And and the pressures on these mega jobs are significant. I mean, a, a company could go under, it, you know, if they were released from a job. There's always this ripcord, I suppose, you can pull, you know, if 
or a threat you can link, dangle over someone or a perceived threat that you could dangle over someone that if, if you don't give me the right number, you're out, I'll find somebody who will, or I'll take it to bid. But that that's a failure just in and of itself. So I think you just have to let them know that you're actually looking for them and expect them to help you be proactive and look out front. Um, that, that's one of the biggest things I think. Well, and as you talk through that, you know, something that comes to mind for me, it takes some really engaged and emotionally intelligent leaders to be able to create that space to communicate in a way that's open and transparent. And you know, a lot of people right now are just challenged to find really good talent and trying to figure out ways to develop talent better. And I'm curious what that looks like for you all within the CPM team. Well, it's difficult now to find people <laughs> and, and much less talent yeah in the marketplace but you know something's turned around though i think in the last uh kind of since the first of the year we've been far more successful in our recruit in our recruitments um i i believe and have always believed that uc san diego is an extraordinarily appealing place to work just for the reasons i told you in the beginning like why i love being there so much is the variety of work the magnitude and, and our contribution to, to the community. I think what we build, it, it enhances the quality of life here in so many different ways. And, and sometimes much broader than just our community nationally and worldwide in some cases, um, I, that is super appealing. And then uh, along with that, I think it's the culture we offer. The, the point of view that I was um, talking to you about a little a little earlier about the appreciation and the value and respect for individuals uh, is really important and doesn't, I don't think that many people, I'm not sure that that many companies uh, or owners out there really offer that. I mean, that's, it's, it's requisite to being here and Part of that too, you'd find the word enjoyment somewhere in our uh, point of view also, that we really want to be able to enjoy the time together, that it would be a miss if we looked back and just said, man, I can't, or I'm so glad that's done. And I've, I've been on a bunch of jobs where people don't want the job to end, that it, it becomes this journey that you can savor every single day. We're only here for a short while and our careers are, Sometimes they can seem long, but are actually fleeting. And it, it should be an opportunity for us to just savor it. And so I, I think we offer that. So I, I'm really hopeful, Tracy. It's been a long dry spell. COVID really impacted everything. I, people, I think people sat tight mm -hmm. when they got back. It was like, I, I should just stay with what I've got. But I think it's opening up a little bit. We're finding some great people. And as I said, part of working here is... Uh, it's the culture we offer, but it's also what we expect from them. So um, I think I think we're doing well on that front. I appreciate you sharing that. And I love the sentiment of, hey, we can have some pretty high expectations for ourselves and still really enjoy our team and what we're doing all at the same time. Yeah. It's super it, rewarding to work in an environment like that. Well, I'd love to get a little bit of a peek under the curtain as well around what conversations are going on within the owner community around collaboration, around creating a a more open, high trust project partnership. Well, that, that's that's a good question for me because I um, we've been doing something since really since March of 2020 when COVID hit. There was this 
what the heck do we do? How do we build? You know, we've got 800 people out on site. What do they have to do? So we, in March of 2020, Eric Smith, my predecessor, started a Builders Roundtable, and we brought in five or six of the most prominent builders in San Diego, and we we just tried to figure it out together. Like, and it was really kind of cool because they're in competition, yet we were all sharing best practices because nobody knew what to do. How do you get on a job site? Vaccinated separation, elevators, man lifts, all that, all of that was out there. And so for about a year, maybe a year and a half, we met solely focusing on kind of COVID and the reaction, um, the reaction to it on the job site, and then the reaction of the marketplace to it and all, all of the things associated with COVID. Eric left in uh, December of 2021, and I picked up this role about that time. And it, COVID was kind of, you know, a little bit in the rearview mirror at that point. And the market, but the marketplace was going crazy. So we took that same group and we started to morph into God, what's, what's going on with escalation? What, what are you doing about the marketplace? How are you providing numbers, you know, in this world? Um, and it's, We've been doing that for about a, almost a year and a half now. We meet bi-monthly. The group has grown to nine uh, different general contractors. We added uh, SDSU uh, and Palomar Health in as owners. And we sit every other month and we talk about things that are really important about the industry now. And I, I love this aspect of it because we're tapping into all of this experience about what kind of delivery models you know, are best? What are the pros and cons of each of the delivery models? Where are the weaknesses? How, how does our process impact you uh, as a builder? Because we want a level playing field. We don't want to give an advantage to anyone. We, want, we really want to level it out. So what are the things we can do better? And so we've been, for the last, like I said, for a little over a year, we sit and we talk and we brainstorm. Usually I'll come with some kind of pose a question to the group and we show up and we debate it. And the synergy, at first it was, it's a little awkward when, because some of this right. is proprietary stuff for some of these firms, but I think it's gotten to a place where we all recognize the benefit of it. And it's an opportunity for the owners to hear and express our concerns and our dilemmas. And at the same time, you know, sometimes we can overreact to our concerns or our dilemmas by creating either a contract or a process that really skews things. And so we get this real-time feedback and dialogue. And I, I think we're making, I think we will make an impact to the industry through what hopefully we can, but what is happening within that group, the, the things we're talking about and the insights we're having and the growth we're, we're um, as owners in understanding the complexities of this business. Um, it's one of the things I, I enjoy most about my, my role now is having the ability to put this together, steer a conversation, educate me more. Uh, I, I've always kind of thought, well, I'm at the latter stages of my career. Maybe, maybe I know enough, but every time and really every day in this, in this job, I learn more and more of the things that I didn't know and I'm, I'm fascinated by project delivery. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by how we kind of got to this place where construction is so, so much different than every other business and the lack of trust that 
is prevalent within the community, I, I think I think we can fix it. I think we can model it, but we need to understand each other to be able to do it. I, I can't do it. I can't make it up and do it by myself. And I don't think they can do it without us either. So the synergies that we get, it's really amazing. The, the one piece we're missing in that group are the design professionals. Okay. Um, yeah, but, and I've thought a lot about that too. And I think kind of opening it up um, right now, I'm just trying to manage the size of it and make sure that we're functional, but I can see the group growing and, you know, diversifying a bit and even bringing in the trades, which is a mystery to all of us, I think about because they procure work in a little different way. So super exciting about, and personally excited about that. Yeah, I so appreciate you just taking that leadership role there and figuring out, hey, how, how do we continue to test the waters, build relationships and make this industry better? It, yeah, our delivery models have actually changed as a result of that. Like, I, I think we were able to focus more on the things that are going to make more of an impact positively for both of us. We're not we're not here just for UCSD to be successful. It, it success is all of us being successful. And so, uh, again, it's fun and it's, and, it, and it's exciting. And I think it's productive. And what's cool is you guys have proven that's true. We can yep. make it successful for all. Well, <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> so as we wrap up, any other thoughts around just what you've learned of experience or wisdom you'd share with our listeners around creating high trust collaborative partnerships? Yeah, don't don't uh, don't laugh it off and don't minimize it as being a kumbaya. It's none of that. It uh, it. I've struggled in the past because I feel like uh, I've been called the love and respect guy or the trust and respect guy. And fine, uh, I hate that. But I think you could look at our the results that we received that we've gotten here, and say, well, there's something different. Um, I this uh, the power of people is extraordinary, and um, and it, you don't have to. The contract is important. I, I mean, we we all need a contract, but I don't think the delivery model nor the contract is nearly as important as the dynamic that a sophisticated and enlightened owner can create out there, and that um, that the behaviors that you can hold people accountable to, if you're clear about what those behaviors are and you're thoughtful about what they are, that the byproduct of all of that is something like I, I mentioned earlier, it's not just that the ability to meet a schedule and a budget, it's something far greater than that. The, the, um, it's when it hits the fan and it will every single it project will. at some point hits the fan. And if the response that you get to that would be is so extraordinary, it's not people running for their corners and starting to write letters. Uh, it's people, people running to a problem and solving it. And, and that's, that is the deal breaker right there or the deal maker right there. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what you want it. Um, you need those people, any, any single trade on a building has the ability, I think, to be able to, um, be the weak link and prevent, <laughs> prevent the whole project from being successful. So finding a way to bind people together, unify around a cause, know why they're building something, and then creating a place that's safe and uh, and where trust can be built. And I, I think 
that's an every minute job. It's not a, it's not something you just show up and talk about, or it's not nice words on a wall or a poster. It's something you have to model every single day. It's a, you have to realize all of this takes a, is extraordinarily taxing on people physically and emotionally, but it's worth the ride. Uh, yeah, you'll, you will uh, never regret having taken that journey, I guarantee you. And so don't just slough it off as being uh, something that's fluffy or squishy. It's not. It's it's hard hitting. It's accountability. Um, it's fast and it's productive and it's fun. It's uh, the only way to go, in my opinion. Well, Randy, I think your passion for the people and the team is just so inspiring to hear, I think especially from an owner who appreciates that so much. So I am so thankful that you joined us today to, to give us a little insights around that passion and, and how you've been able to create great cultures and high collaborative environments for your project team. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you to you and FMI and helping me along this journey and helping me really kind of memorialize what I believe and, and uh, encouraging me to keep on doing it and <laughs> that it's okay. Keep a lookout for our next special edition episode, where we'll be joined by Mike Humphrey from DPR as we explore how their focus on culture and people has played a critical role in their success. Thank you for listening to this edition of the FMI Built-In Podcast and enjoy the rest of your day.